Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin. If you've been enjoying Unchained, pop into iTunes to give us a top rating or review. That helps other listeners find the show. Do you have an idea for a blockchain app, but are worried about the time and cost it will take to develop? The folks at Azure have you covered. The new Azure Blockchain Dev Kit is a free download that gives you the tools needed to get your first app running in less than 30 minutes. Learn more at aka.ms slash unchained or by following them on Twitter at MSFT Blockchain. Within months, cryptocurrency anti-money laundering regulations go global. Are you ready? Avoid stiff penalties or blacklisting by deploying effective anti-money laundering tools for exchanges and crypto businesses, the same tools used by regulators. CypherTrace is securing the crypto economy. Considering using digital securities as a way to grow in 2019? Tokensoft's trusted platform provides the security and compliance tools to leverage blockchain technology and enter new markets with confidence. Visit us at tokensoft.io or on Twitter at Tokensoft Inc. My guests today are Eric Larshevek, co-founder and CEO of Ledger, and Demetrios Galkotis, global head of Ledger Vault. Welcome, Eric and Demetrios. Hi. Hi, thank you. Eric, tell me how you got into Bitcoin and came to start Ledger. Yeah, of course. Uh, so um, I have been an entrepreneur most of my life. And in 2013, I sold my last startup, which was a price comparison engine. And I was looking for the next thing to do. Um, I just had my third child. So at the time, I had a lot uh, of, uh, let's say, free time uh, to browse the internet. And I was uh, reading everything I called about startup, new technology, and I stumbled uh, upon Bitcoin. And I really wanted to understand what was this uh, magic internet money. Uh, and so I spent basically uh, two weeks reading everything I called about Bitcoin, the blockchain technology, the mining. And I was struck by lightning for for me, uh, what the the, the, the technology uh, of of the blockchain uh, and Bitcoin was really uh, extremely interesting. It was a true revolution, and I was sure that I had to do something in the field. Uh, so, beginning of 2014, I opened a Bitcoin center in Paris uh, because initially I didn't know what to do exactly. You know, should I do mining? Should I do an exchange? Should I do this or that? So I say, okay, let's have a very broad horizontal approach. Uh, and so the, the first idea was to, to, to open a physical center named La Maison du Bitcoin, the House of Bitcoin in the center of Paris, where uh, I spent my time explaining about Bitcoin, about mining, about blockchain. Uh, and so I have talked about uh, Bitcoin to, to hundreds uh, of, uh, of people. How did you come to launch Ledger? Also, you've mentioned to me before that for a long time, people told you that users didn't want hardware devices. So how did you grow the company? 
So thanks to La Maison du Bitcoin, so to our Bitcoin center, we had the opportunity to, to meet a lot of developers and, uh, and other startups. And there was uh, one guy, one company coming from uh, the smart card industry who developed a first prototype of the hardware wallet. So using the smart card technology, the chip and pin technology to secure private keys. Uh, and another company who was sending Bitcoin through postal services and they needed a media to send the, the, the private keys. Uh, so basically what happened is that we started to work together uh, to build the first uh, real usable uh, usable uh, hardware wallet. It was uh, uh, end of 2014, and this is how we went to, to, to create uh, Ledger. And at the beginning, for the first two years, where we had our first version of the Ledger Nano, which didn't have a screen, and it was really bare bones, uh, it was quite a tough sell because, uh, as you said, uh, no one really wanted to have a hardware device because uh, it was it's the cloud. You are supposed to be completely free of everything and have everything in the cloud. And when you think about uh, Bitcoin and uh, private keys, you really need to have uh, security or local security. Uh, and so it means you need to have a hardware wallet. And at the beginning, it was not something that users were ready to, to accept. And every Everybody told us that basically Ledger couldn't scale. It wouldn't be anything about uh, about uh, adoption, about massive adoption, because of the fact that you need a hardware wallet. Uh, but when we introduced the Ledger Nano S, which had a, a better usability, multiple uh, currencies, and also when we had the big boom of uh, of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, where basically there was a lot of a realization that the security of private keys was paramount. And uh, there was a lot of word of, word of mouth uh, for Ledger. And if in 2017, basically, we were hoping to sell maybe 30,000 units of the Nano S, and we ended uh, selling 1 million units. <laughs> so it has been a massive success. Uh, quite uh, impressive. We were the first surprise because we had to scale the company like crazy. Uh, and, and now I think uh, for, for most of the users, uh, the people really know about uh, blockchain and, uh, and cryptocurrencies, having a hardware wallet is something completely uh, normal. So I think that now having a piece of hardware is something that is accepted uh, and is not regarded as completely alien uh, as it was uh, maybe a few years ago. So uh, in the last three years, there have been a lot of evolution regarding the, the, the security and how people are perceiving uh, the use of cryptocurrencies. And Demetrios, what was your background prior to start to joining Ledger? My background has been primarily within the financial services exchange space. I spent considerable time at the, both U.S. exchanges uh, working and running software businesses and managing P&Ls for them over the past uh, years. And so how did you come to join Ledger? I um, was doing some uh, consulting in the space uh, around Bitcoin. Similar to Eric, I was uh, uh, exiting from uh, one of the exchanges and spent a little bit of time doing some research myself and had some key influencers suggested I really look at this space pretty uh, strongly. And I did and felt that my skill sets uh, from the financial services arena and exchange space and running software, SaaS businesses and managing P&Ls, that I could uh, provide my skill sets uh, in leading and growing a business and just happened to come across the opportunity at Ledger. And uh, 
it uh, it came to fruition, which is fantastic. Let's do an overview of Ledger's products and services. Let's start with the consumer products. Can you describe those for me? Yes, uh, of course. So um, the the basic technology, the core technology of Ledger is an operating system for secure chips. So it's very horizontal. And with that, you can do a lot of things. But the first application, the first product that uh, we put on the market was hardware wallets. Uh, so the idea is to keep the private keys in isolation to make sure that they can never be exposed to the internet. So that's the basic idea of a hardware wallet. And if the private keys stay secure, stay, let's say, offline or cold, um, then you are sure that they cannot get hacked. Um, and hardware wallets are basically used by uh, end users, consumers, um, and that's the first, let's say, approach, the first product approach of uh, of Ledger. As we were just saying, it has been a massive success in 2017. But what we have seen also is that a lot of professionals have been using the hardware wallets. Uh, we have some customers who have bought hundreds of the Nano S, and they are using it to keep the funds of their customers on each uh, different devices and they have like real physical vaults where they keep the, the Nano S. Uh, so not only we have seen that these uh, hardware wallets uh, are really have been a success on the consumer electronic markets, but also on the enterprise. But the hardware wallet is really for individuals. Uh, I mean, it's like one device, one person. And by discussing with our customers, we have seen uh, a real need from the institutions, from enterprises, basically, uh, to keep uh, crypto safe, uh, crypto funds uh, secure, but they were lacking something very specific, which is governance. Um, and this is uh, what uh, put us uh, on, on, the, on the path to build an enterprise uh, solutions to really uh, bring what we call governance or rules or multi-signature uh, into action to build what we call today the, the Ledger Vault, uh, and which is really a product dedicated for enterprises and professionals who want to keep uh, funds secure within uh, the use of uh, rules, uh, having teams managing different accounts, uh, etc. And, and so that has been the, the second uh, let's say part, the second offering of, uh, of Ledger. So the first one is hardware wallets for, for individuals. Uh, we have the, the Nano S and we also have the, the, the Nano X that we have announced uh, recently. Uh, and the Vault, really for enterprises and professionals. And we are also providing solutions for what we call IoT, Internet of, uh, of Things, where our technology can secure communications, usage, or even transactions, um, because we see more and more applications of uh, the blockchain technology in real-life uh, environments through the need of tokenization, where basically you need to attach physical assets to a token. And just to keep to, to give a concrete example, you have energy, where you need to attach certificates of origin of renewable energy to tokens, so you can trade the tokens. And our technology can really ensure that the issuance of tokens are really backed by uh, the 
energy which is uh, put into the grid. So basically today we have these three offerings, consumer electronics with hardware wallet, enterprises with the, the ledger vault and all the offering for back office. And finally, uh, everything related to IoT and uh, connected objects. Super interesting. For the first bucket where you were talking about how you had built this device that was mainly for consumers, but that different firms were using them to hold the funds of their customers. What are some examples? Would that be like a crypto fund that is using Leisure to hold its investments? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, there are a few crypto funds uh, that have the needs to keep the funds of their customers secure. And basically, they use segregation of the funds by having as many hardware wallets as they have uh, accounts or customers. So from a physical point of view, it's really uh, a vault which is full of, uh, of NanoS. Uh, so it's a, it's a first good step to, put, to bring a, a solution to the problem of security and custodianship. But obviously, it's, uh, it's not enough because uh, you want to, to, to have a real process of how you handle the funds. And here you still have the risk that someone is going to uh, open the vault, take the physical device, take the, the PIN code, and, and run with it. So that's why we needed to have, uh, let's say, a more complex solution involving all, all governance. Yeah, I've had one of the crypto funds on my show talking about how they do use, I, I actually don't know which hardware device it is, but how they do use that to hold their customer funds. It, it's Ari Paul, by the way, of Block Tower. And he was saying that they then wrap it in, shoot, I, it's something like tamper evident plastic. And then they will put glitter nail polish on it and take a photo of it uh, because it's very difficult to replicate the pattern. So anyway, it was it was pretty uh, uh, an elaborate uh, setup, I guess, in order to protect their funds. But you know, as you were describing for your institutional offering, now that is one where instead of needing this kind of like physical protection, it's governed by rules. So what what do you mean by that? Like, how does that work exactly? So we created. We sought to create, you know, a multi-authorization governance solution to eliminate the single points of failure uh, and make sure that we're still securing the endpoints. So we came out with four governance levels for the enterprise vault solution. You have the um, shared owners, which are three people that create one third of the master seed, and then our software once those each individuals create their own one third of the seed, we combine that into the master, the master seed. We also have uh, three other individuals that create a third of the wrapping key custodian, which is really encrypting the environment within the ledger vault infrastructure. So further securing that uh, no one has access to the private keys that are sitting within our, our, our on the vault. Then we have administrators and operators. The administrators are the folks within the form that set up uh, each individual wallet. So the, the vault can have multiple wallets and each wallet can have its own governance protocols. Um, so you could have uh, what we like to say the vault is very temperature agnostic. So if you want to design a particular wallet that needs to be extremely 
uh, that replicates something that's very cold. You can have eight of eight M of N approvers. You could also have a time limiter on there for further folks to uh, evaluate that particular order and approve. Or you can have the vault have two or three M of N approvers to have something that's much more warm and a hot wallet. And then the operators are the fourth component of governance, which are the ones that are submitting the the uh, the orders uh, to place within uh, within the infrastructure. So you've got that four layers of governance uh, protocols within the Ledger Vault infrastructure. So you're securing the endpoints and you're providing multiple approvers uh, in order for a transaction to be completed. Wow. Okay. And do you approve the setup that each company does? No. Because what if they do it in such a way? Like, I think you may recall with the Bitfinex hack that Bico was involved in some way, but but Bico later said that it was the way Bitfinex had implemented their setup. I think that was the issue. So what we're doing is we're Ledger Vault is doing something a little bit different. We're providing the technology infrastructure for firms to completely manage and control 100% of their cryptocurrencies. The firms that we are providing this infrastructure for are the ones that are setting up their governance principles and policies and procedures for each wallet and each security. So they manage 100% of their private keys. Ledger has uh, nothing to do with that particular process or approval process at all. We're not a custodian. We're providing the technology infrastructure for them to self-manage their assets or provide a custodial services to their customers in the marketplace. Okay. So essentially, if there is some sort of breach or something, it's entirely on them because then it indicates that there was some, I guess, lapse in the way that they set up their procedure is that it in essence yes we're not we're providing them the infrastructure to manage their entire assets we have no view into uh, managing their private keys what we provide is really with the security of the private keys we make sure that the governance cannot be broken but it is true that if they set rules that they do not follow or if they give away the hardware wallets to access the the funds to anyone or if they do like obvious procedural mistakes, it shows that it defeats the purpose. However, uh, when we talk to our customers, uh, we can give them and we discuss about best practice. Uh, and, and when they set up the vault, it's quite a complex uh, solution. They, of course, make sure uh, to have a governance that cannot be uh, easily breached. So I also want to ask you about another one of your offerings, which is the Ledger operating system, the BOLOS, the Blockchain Open Ledger operating system. What is that and why did you make it possible to use that with any hardware, not just Ledger? So BOLOS is uh, an operating system which has been designed to run on secure hardware. So if you have uh, Android for smartphone or iOS, so BOLOS is basically the same thing, but uh, for embedded secure uh, devices. And operating systems usually are designed to run on different kinds of hardware. So we have the hardware wallets that we built, obviously, like the Nano S, the Blue, the Nano X, but you, we also provide solutions for a secure enclave in smartphones. So basically in some smartphones such as Samsung phones, for instance, 
you have what we call secure enclave, which is secure hardware inside the phone. So you, we can basically run a hardware wallet or anything else on top of our operating system, which is not Android. So even if Android is breached, then the hardware wallet stays safe and the private keys cannot be exposed. We do the same on hardware security modules, which basically are ultra secure uh, computers uh, that run inside of the computers. So it's a little bit like computer inception. Um, and we build the ledger vault uh, on top of that. We are also have a version of our operating system for Intel SJX. So we really want to make sure that any platform, any secure platform can run a secure hardware wallet or secure applications. And why uh, we design our operating system to be open is because our vision is really to provide the ecosystem with a global, a global open platform that can basically uh, be used to have hardware wallet everywhere. We were talking about the importance of having uh, a hardware device. It may be a solution acceptable for the first maybe 100 millions of people or tens of millions of people interested into cryptocurrencies. But if we want to go to real mass adoption uh, to billions of people, uh, then, of course, it's not really possible to have a specific hardware that we have to give to, to anyone. So we, we, we have to make sure that uh, smartphones can run uh, hardware wallet securely. We have to make sure that PCs can run hardware wallet securely. And our objective is really to have Bolos deployed in all these kind of platforms and that we can have in three years, in five years, it's hard to see exactly when, but to have the possibility to have secure hardware wallets on uh, any kind of uh, consumer electronic uh, computer device. So that's really the vision. So are, there's like a whole new wave of smartphones that have secure enclaves inside to store crypto. Do you think that those are a threat to Ledger's business model? No, not at all. Uh, they are more like an extension. So uh, we have launched the first hardware wallet running on uh, Samsung phones on Secure Enclave uh, in 2016, uh, so almost three years ago. Uh, and so we have the technology for, for a while, and we believe that in the future, uh, when the Secure Enclave will be ready, because right now there is a lot of fragmentation, it is quite complex to use it consistently on different kind of platform or smartphones. But when it will be ready, uh, and I think it can be uh, in three years, um, then we will have the opportunity to deploy our hardware wallet technology, to deploy our technology directly on the phones. So in three years, I believe that we will continue, of course, to sell hardware wallets because they will still be needed, but we will have a new market where we can address billions of uh, smartphones and deploy our technology through some kind of licensing deals. So it's more like a big opportunity that Ledger have uh, in the future. And I also want to zoom back out. You know, we've been talking about storing your crypto on a hardware device, but obviously there are so many other ways that somebody could store their crypto. They could uh, have it on, you know, a, a 
company like Coinbase or uh, or you know right on an exchange where they might be trading or. Obviously, there's <laughs> at the other end of the spectrum, you could even create a paper wallet. So what, can you just describe for me sort of all the different ways and then amongst all those, like why it is that somebody should choose either Ledger or any hardware wallet as their preferred method? Like, you know, who who is that the right choice for? Well, um, there is a saying in Bitcoin, which is in crypto, uh, like not your keys, not your Bitcoins. Um, so the first question that you have to ask yourself is, do you wish to own your crypto? Or do you want to to give it to a third party and really do not care uh, about it? So it's a little bit the same uh, approach that when you want to buy gold, physical gold, are you really to buy physical gold and keep it yourself in your safe at home or in a bank? Or are you going to buy paper gold. Are you interested into really owning the product, uh, the asset, or do you want just to speculate? So that's the first philosophical approach. And I think that a lot of the crypto enthusiasts are interested into crypto because they can really own it. Um, and so uh, if you are in crypto because you really want to, to own these alternative assets, then uh, it's not to, to have them on an exchange. I mean, you can do some speculation to buy, to sell on exchange, but for long-term uh, storage, it's not recommended uh, because you are putting all the security of the ownership in the hands of the third party. And basically, it's limited to the capacity that you have to protect your password of your email. And also, if you have a second factor of authentication to make sure that your phone is not hacked. We have seen countless of horror stories. Uh, and also the exchange can also decide to freeze your account to, uh, to not allow you to, um, to, to, to uh, take your Bitcoins or cryptos with you. Uh, beginning of January, there have been the proof of keys uh, movements where basically everyone was invited to put out their uh, crypto into their own wallets uh, to um, make sure that the exchanges are not running on uh, fractional reserves because as well there are no third-party audits so are you sure that when you give your crypto to a third party that they are really owning it that they are not lending it to a third party etc so i mean either you do not care about ownership and then maybe it's fine to give a third party but one thing is for sure is that if you decide to own yourself your crypto then using a hardware wallet, uh, whatever it is, is really the best solution. Why? Because obviously a software wallet on a computer or a smartphone is just a question of time before you lose everything. It's like buying physical gold and keep it on your chimney. I mean, it works, but it doesn't scale. And if you can use paper wallet, it's more like for experts. And also a paper wallet, because you can make mistakes, you have to make sure that when you print the paper wallet, uh, your computer, your printer is not connected, that you do not have the information in your cache, etc. And at some point, if you want to use your crypto, if you want to spend uh, your paper wallet, you have to scan it and put it online, and then you are back to square one. And I think that's 
of course, you can also uh, buy a computer, install Linux, uh, remove all the connections, and uh, really basically build a hardware wallet yourself. But that works only if you know exactly what you are doing, because uh, cybersecurity is not an easy task. So that's why hardware wallets are very convenient and are today recognized as the best solution for keeping uh, keeping your assets. Yeah, except, I mean, I think that like the other methods, there is some sort of security procedure that you must undertake on your own and take responsibility for keeping your wallet, your hardware wallet safe and your uh, seed safe. Because, uh, you know, I, I personally can think of a lot of ways where if I'm keeping this at home on my own, uh, that I could mess up as well. So I think like there's a lot of education that needs to happen in order for customers of hardware wallets to to make sure that they don't yeah, lose their funds uh, as well. I completely agree. I think education is one of the big challenge for Ledger and other, let's say, uh, crypto companies, because you are completely right. Being your own bank is not easy. I mean, if you have a lot, uh, you have a lot of responsibilities uh, and you need to make sure that you have to, to keep safe your, your seed, your recovery uh, phrase, etc. So, it is sure that it's only if you want to take the time to understand what you do, if only if you want to take the time to uh, understand what are the right steps, because you can make mistakes. Um, and it's true as of today that uh, mass adoption is maybe not uh, for tomorrow regarding that, because it's not effortless. You have to stop, think a few minutes about what you are doing, because uh, if you make a mistake, no one is going to give you back uh, your crypto. So it's sure that uh, education is really, really uh, important uh, for the time to come. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions before we turn to our ad break. But uh, the first one is, how many crypto assets do you support? So we support about 1,100 uh, crypto assets and tokens. Oh, wow. Okay. And how do you decide which, I mean, it sounds like it's a very low bar. How do you decide which ones to support? So we decide to support basically, uh, we have third party developers who can build uh, the, the support. So it's not Ledger. Uh, with developing everything, uh, we have an open uh, platform. And so these developers can support uh, the, the coins themselves. So it's true that it's quite uh, open and easy as long as the developers do the right job of putting the support for their coins. And Ledger is going to publish it. It's a little bit like an app store. Uh, so that's the beauty of an open ecosystem is that you can have a lot of developers working to add uh, support for uh, for cryptos. And who are your customers? And let's do the full range in terms of the everyday consumer. And then if you can name any of the institutions that have started to use your enterprise offerings, that would be great. The customers for the, the vault are pretty much asset managers, hedge funds, crypto funds, family offices, and and everything in between. Also, Exchanges are are possible customers for us as well. We have a few exchanges using the Ledger Vault uh, in our 
in testing out our, our enterprise capabilities. Also, uh, a lot of the folks that are supplying the trading technologies and infrastructures to the exchanges are also logical uh, opportunities for us, as well as the folks that are providing, you know, data center infrastructure and services and cloud-based services into into the marketplace could be also other opportunities uh, for the enterprise ledger vault to provide uh, a full range of customer support for the for the fintech community and also folks that are uh, managing assets and crypto assets. So, and obviously the banks uh, and the trust companies that are specifically focused on crypto or the traditional ones that are contemplating and hearing from their customers that they want them to support uh, crypto moving forward. We're providing that infrastructure uh, to them. In essence, we're the digital plumbing for them to provide this capability and this service to their customer base. And Eric, for the everyday consumers, like what demographic uh, do they fit? So it's a good question because uh, by design, we do not want to know who are our customers. Uh, we do not ask them anything about uh, what they do, why, etc. Um, however, we do have some, some guesstimates uh, regarding the type. So we have uh, one third, an estimation of uh, one third of our customers who are really traders. Because they are, uh, they want to uh, to use the device all the time, and they they uh, they have a lot of of different cryptos. So they are like traders or people who uh, really like to uh, to jungle different between different cryptos. Um, and we have more than half uh, that are what we could call hodlers. I mean, they just buy the device, they put the crypto on it, and then. Uh, they are not going to use it for months or maybe for uh, for years, um, and then the rest is a kind of mixed uh, of the of the usage. Uh, and our customers are really distributed globally. Uh, we are selling in 165 countries, and basically it's uh, one third Americas, one third Europe, and one third uh, Asia. We're going to discuss more about Ledger Security and how it's scaled. But first, a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. Issuing a digital security on the blockchain can be a significant undertaking, particularly to ensure compliance requirements are met. Tokensoft's trusted platform provides security in a world of uncertainty by working with top legal and financial experts so that your digital assets are secure. Tokensoft leads the market in providing technological tools to support tax, banking, and securities regulations for issuers of digital assets. We are honored to have supported leading companies in 2018. To learn more about issuing digital securities successfully, visit Tokensoft.io or follow them on Twitter at Tokensoft Inc. Within months, cryptocurrency anti-money laundering regulations go global. Are you ready? Avoid stiff penalties or blacklisting by deploying effective anti-money laundering tools for exchanges and crypto businesses, the same tools used by regulators. CypherTrace is securing the crypto economy. Face it, regulations can stall or kill a fast-moving crypto business. New Financial Action Task Force and European Union cryptocurrency AML laws are coming soon. You could be hit with stiff fines or blacklisted, no matter where your servers are in the world. Prepare now. Deploy the same powerful CypherTrace tools used by regulators. 
protect your assets, streamline your compliance programs, and keep your exchange or crypto business out of the regulator's crosshairs. Learn how effective anti-money laundering tools help keep your crypto business safe and trusted. Learn more at cyphertrace.com slash unchained. Cyphertrace is securing the crypto economy. Getting your blockchain app off the whiteboard and into production can be a big undertaking. From connecting user interfaces to integrating disparate systems and data, blockchain app development can be time-intensive and costly. Well, the folks at Azure have you covered. With a few simple clicks, the Azure Blockchain Workbench can create a blockchain network for you, pre-integrated with the cloud services needed to build your app. And with their new development kit, users can extend their app to ingest messages from bots, edge devices, databases, and more. It's free to download and gives you the tools you need to get your first app running in less than 30 minutes. To learn more about the dev kit and how to get started, visit aka.ms slash unchained or follow them on Twitter at MSFT blockchain. Back to my conversation with Ledger. So uh, how many units have you sold overall? So uh, since the beginning of Ledger in 2014, we have sold about 1.5 million units. Uh, And you mentioned how 2017 was a crazy year that you projected you would sell 30,000 and sold a million instead. Describe what happened at Ledger during that time and how you managed to scale so quickly. Well, in one word, chaos. Uh, (laughs) When we... um, in, I mean, uh, we we always knew and uh, uh, we always believed that one day uh, crypto were going to scale and that uh, we <laughs> it will be uh, like nice times. Uh, but the the speed at which uh, crypto has been growing and the speed at which the demand of our for our uh, devices has been growing has been completely crazy. Um, and uh, we were doing all the assembly of uh, our uh, devices uh, in France and we had to scale uh, production in China in a matter of weeks. So it has been a lot of work for uh, the operation and production uh, guys and also we had to build from like a real customer support solution. We were like one and a half to do the customer support. Now we are more than 10. Uh, we had to build a legal department because we had to export in all the countries. Uh, it, it opened a lot of questions, a lot of work. And so basically what we had to do is to hire a lot of people. Uh, we were 20 uh, before the, the, the craze of the crypto uh, began. And now we are about to 200 uh, in five locations uh, globally. So the company has really had to, to, to grow. We also have raised a lot of capital. Uh, we closed uh, a Series B round last year in January 2018 uh, of um, 61 million euros, $75 million. So it helped us give have all the, the visibility to really scale the company because uh, not only we had to scale on the consumer electronics and scale the infrastructure and the production and everything, but also we had to build new SaaS product with the vault and also to uh, answer all the, 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 the demand and the growth that we are having on the IoT. So uh, it has been a very, and it still is a very busy day uh, every day at Ledger. Yeah. And I was curious because the markets are down this year. So, or 
now we're in 2019, but obviously there was the downturn that started in 2018. How have sales changed from 2017 to 2018? So for sure, there was an impact. Uh, we have roughly, uh, if last year we have sold 1 million device, this year we have sold uh, half a million device, uh, and we have sold a lot of these devices in the first quarter of uh, 2018. Um, because when the, when the price is going down, the interest in crypto is going down, uh, and also the, the, the media coverage is going down. And so, generally speaking, the traffic is going down down and so we sell less. Uh, so there is a lot um, of impact uh, of the Bitcoin price and crypto price to our, uh, uh, let's say, to, to, to our sales. Um, but what is funny is also when we have a major crash, like we had uh, in uh, basically in November, there was a lot of mention in the media of Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is dead and etc., uh, etc. Et and and we had more traffic and it generated also more sales. Uh, uh, a good indicator of the health of the of the market is the Black Friday, uh, and the Black Friday of 2018 was very good uh, compared to. Uh, 17. So it showed that uh, despite the fact that we we have seen a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, the price has been plunging and uh, there was a lot of bad titles in the press regarding cryptocurrencies, um, the general interest and, and the dynamism of the market has been still uh, still still good. So let's now talk about security. Last spring, Salim Rashid, a hacker from the UK who said he was 15, which is pretty amazing. He published a blog post showing how he was able to hack ledgers in a few different ways. And from what I understand, the crux of the issue seems to be that you have the secure element, but then I think that doesn't really communicate out outside. So then you have this other thing called the microcontroller, which is what enables the user to communicate with a secure element and get information from it. And from what I understand, it looks like maybe that is the part of the ledger that can be subject to attack, whether through the supply chain, meaning that the device can be compromised before the customer even receives it, or through a so-called evil made attack in which someone could temporarily gain access to the, to the device, such as a maid in a hotel room, and compromise it in that time period, or through malware that's put on the victim's computer. Do you plan on changing the architecture of your devices to address this issue? Why or why not? So, um, so you are correct. Uh, we had Salim. He's really 15 years old, and uh, he discovered a, a vulnerability in the Nano S, which indeed allow to change uh, the non-secure microcontroller firmware and to do some kind of man-in-the-middle attack um, of the device and uh, open the way for a supply chain uh, attack. So, uh, thanks to the discovering of. Uh, of, of Salim, we have been we have patched uh, the, the 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 threat uh, and uh, corrected uh, the, the the issue. Um, but uh, security is always a game of cat and mouse, uh, and that's why we have a, a bounty program with responsibility uh, disclosure solutions, and uh, we have all the time, uh, let's say, security researchers who are publishing uh, and sharing with us uh, findings, and so we are always trying to uh, to have enhancement of the security. Um, what we have done regarding the architecture is uh, to go. 
to the to the next level. And this is what we have done with the Nano X that we have recently uh, announced. The Nano X has its uh, secure chip, uh, which is a much more powerful secure chip, and with more, let's say, capacity to connect to the uh, to screens and buttons. And so, in this new architecture, uh, the secure element is driving directly uh, the buttons and the display. And so, all this kind of attack is now. Uh, impossible because we have changed the architecture. So to answer your question, yes, uh, we have uh, enhanced and evolved our architecture and now we have a solution which is, uh, let's say, uh, at a higher level of security uh, and this kind of attack uh, threat on the Nano X won't be uh, possible. And so, but you still sell the... The Nano S. Yeah, but the Nano S has been patched. Um, it's uh, all the threats that has been uh, divulged to us by Salim has been corrected. And as wow. of today, there is no known uh, attack that can uh, change the unsecure uh, microcontroller. But of course, uh, in the future, security researcher could always uh, discover something because nothing is unhackable. Uh, but as of today, uh, we do not know any, uh, let's say, threats on the on the Nano S. And our own security team, we have 10 people at Ledger who every day are attacking our solutions, uh, are making sure that such threats are not existing. So we stand behind uh, the Nano S. And um, there is, as of today, there is no known uh, attack vector to do supply chain attacks, uh, etc. because we have patched it through thanks to new firmware uh, updates. Uh, but anyway, when we have decided to work on the new device, uh, we have upped uh, the security architecture to have something uh, that provide with, uh, let's say, a better architecture a better security architecture. So uh, even though the, the Nano S is still a dual-chip architecture, uh, we, stand, we stand behind it, uh, and we are going to continue to sell the Nano S and continue to support the, the Nano S. And there was also a different conference recently, the 35C3 conference, where some researchers presented the different ways they had hacked some ledgers and treasures. And again, uh, they were sort of like supply chain, uh, uh, but another one was even taking control remotely of the ledger to perform a transaction. Do you find those issues that they raised to be credible threats for consumers who own the, the Nano S? So uh, they are more like uh, Tom Cruise uh, impossible mission uh, threats. So they are quite fun and interesting. Uh, but what they are doing basically is opening the Nano S, installing uh, some kind of remote device on it, and then uh, observing observing you with a camera or something when you want to, uh, let's say, approve a transaction. Since they have put a malware on your computer, they are going to send a wrong transaction and then they are going to manually press a button on their side, which is going to press a button on uh, the Nano S and activate uh, the transaction. Um, so uh, we, we believe that it's not uh, really a credible uh, solution because most probably it's much easier to put a camera 
uh, to see you put the pin code and then steal the device. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it's uh, it's easier to to do that. Um, and the other uh, attacks that they shown on the Ledger Blue is basically to record all the electromagnetic signals that you have when you press your pin code on the device. Uh, and then to be able to uh, extract the pin code from this uh, emanation of electromagnetic signal. And again, even though it's quite fun uh, and we like this kind of attack, uh, which are called side channel attacks, it's not really practical because if you move the device, let's say by one inch or a quarter of an inch, then it will change everything. Uh, so it's not something that you can really exploit uh, in the wild, uh, but still, we, we appreciate to have this kind of uh, attacks and... Uh, the more security researchers are going to uh, to get some interest into hardware wallet and uh, uh, crypto security in general, the best it will be because we will always have to, uh, let's say, to, to, to come with uh, even better solutions. And as for the Nano X, if you enable Bluetooth connections on that, does that introduce any other vulnerabilities? No, not at all. Uh, so the private keys are never going out of the secure chip, so they are never on the transmission. It's exactly the same than a USB cable. At worst, what can happen is if you break the Bluetooth encryption, uh, because it's, there is end-to-end -end quite strong encryption, but let's say that if you manage to break the encryption, then the worst is a privacy. It means that you can see uh, the transaction that you want to sign, like uh, the amount and uh, the destination address, uh, these kind of things. Uh, so from the security of the private key, it doesn't uh, change at all the, the model and having a Bluetooth doesn't expose the user to more uh, or less uh, security threat. And then I also wanted to ask about the Ledger Blue because some of the attacks that these hackers performed were on the Ledger Blue, which is the device being used in the Ledger Vault. So what does that do any of those attacks have any implication for the security of Ledger Vault? From the Vault's perspective, it is configured differently than the retail Ledger Blue device. It's configured for the enterprise use. It's only for uh, the authorization and putting your PIN code in uh, to authorize a transaction so and authorize uh, the user it itself. And also the user has to have, have a digital certificate on their laptop uh, that will authenticate that blue device and authenticate that user to communicate to the HSM to uh, initiate a transaction. So there's no keys stored on the Ledger Blue device in the enterprise model. It's just for authentication of a transaction. And again, depending upon the use case and depending upon the users and the, and the wallets, there's multiple approvers that would need to authenticate that person's uh, initiation of a transaction. And nevertheless, what we plan to do as an easy fix to that, even though the, uh, the, the, the threat is not really practical, an easy fix is just to scramble the pin code. So instead of having one, two, three, four, etc., each time that you press uh, a pin, uh, then it's going to, to scramble the position of the numbers and then it will render completely inoperative the, uh, the side channel attack. And then the other thing I was curious about and I think this is an issue for even uh, like an online wallet, like blockchain or something. 
how do you protect against rogue employees installing something in the hardware or in the operating system that could compromise customers' coins? So, well, first, you, you, you cannot compromise the operating system because it's on a secure chip. Uh, but let's say that you you could compromise, as you said before, with the supply chain attack of Salim, uh, the unsecured chip, or if you want to enter to put inside some kind of a remote device, uh, then uh, if you think that you can get subject to this kind of, uh, of attack, uh, then you have to, 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 to be maybe a little bit more paranoid. Uh, because first, probably what exactly is going to happen is that someone is going to observe your PIN code uh, because they work with you. And at some point, maybe they will steal the device. Uh, and, and so it's a question of process. And that's why uh, when you have a lot of funds, uh, it's especially if you are in a company, especially if you are a professional environment and you have coworkers, and then that's why you should use the ledger vault because with the ledger vault, such attack is not possible because there is a governance and it's not about compromising one person at one time. Right, so but that's, sorry, uh, but I'm asking yeah. about Ledger's employees. Like, if I'm ah, just a consumer ordering, then yeah, how do, how do I know that there isn't some Ledger employee who's compromised it in some way yes yes of course sorry um so internally we have processes uh, basically if you if you want if we want to sign a new firmware uh and to flash the device uh with a new firmware version it has to be signed using uh, a protocol using governance basically we're using ourselves a ledger vault uh, not to keep cryptocurrencies, but to authorize the signature of a new firmware, of a new application. And so there is a code review, and it has to be signed by, by a quorum of different key people at Ledger. Um, so, of course, you could say, but what if everyone uh, at Ledger wants to uh, release, a, a, let's say, a firmware with a backdoor, which is a fair question, then the answer is that we believe there is more value at Ledger being a, a global leader in hardware wallet and cryptocurrencies rather than trying to get a few millions of tens of millions or even hundreds of millions by stealing them by uh, using a firmware uh, a, f a firmware backdoor. Um, so uh, we have these internal processes. Uh, and after, it's a question of reputation and thinking that we have much more to lose by stealing our customers rather than building a, a multi-billion dollars company in the future. And you've... You have a, a pretty interesting way of shipping out the devices, which is to not put tamper-proof packaging on the devices, claiming that the hardware itself is tamper-proof. Do you plan to continue not not doing that? Yes, uh, of course. Well, and if you have seen the, the CCC wallet.fail presentation, it started to say, they started to say that tamper-proof uh, stickers are irrelevant. They are what we call uh, security theater. And so what we use is a cryptographic attestation of the genuineness of the firmware. And we believe it's a superior solution uh, compared to using uh, stickers. So for sure, the Nano X doesn't have uh, any uh, anti-tempering sticker because it's, uh, it's security theater. And there have been these instances of people being held at gunpoint or kidnapped and forced to send their coins to their assailants' addresses. I saw in a blog post that you wrote that you said that 
Ledger uses a distributed governance or multi-signature process to make that infeasible. So how does that work? So that's something that has been put into the vault. Uh, that is called like uh, delayed opening. Oh, so that's uh, not for consumers. So that's not for consumers. However, oh, okay. we plan to introduce such solutions uh, in the future using external oracles where you can have accounts that are going to sign only if the external oracle is going to say yes. But of course, it means that you still have to make sure that your 24 words, the backup, is not accessible. Because if anyone at gunpoint access your 24 words, then it's game over. That's why being your own bank uh, has a lot of uh, responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted to ask about this Ledger Dungeon team. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. Who are they and what do they do? So the dungeon, the dungeon team is the security team of uh, of Ledger. There are like ten professionals who are coming from various uh, security uh, practice, uh, doing security evaluation. So they have a lot of tools like uh, lasers, like oscilloscope, like a lot of bench and test. And the mission is to evaluate the security of our products by attacking them relentlessly uh, on the hardware, on the software, at any levels, and also doing the security evaluation of uh, of, our, of the competition because we have to make sure uh, that we stay ahead. Um, so the dungeon is uh, is really the guys at Ledger who make sure that everything that we do is secure. All right. So I actually also want to ask about this new trend that we'll probably see emerging over the next a couple of years, which is a shift from proof of work to proof of stake or delegated proof of stake. So how would staking work if I have my coins on a ledger or in the ledger vault? So uh, if you have the coins on the, on the hardware wallet, you will have the possibility to stake uh, your coin. So we are working uh, with a few cryptos such as uh, Tezos uh, to start implementing uh, the baking or the, the, the staking. And we want to make sure to have the same functionalities as well uh, into the vault, uh, because for sure that's a big uh, feature that is requested by, um, let's say, uh, custodians or hedge funds who have a lot of, uh, of assets. And... Ledger is going to deliver this year in the Ledger Live uh, the first solutions to do uh, the delegated proof of stake. We believe it's uh, it's part of the future of crypto and we want to make sure that we will provide with the best interface uh, to be able to do that. And the vault provides, you know, the, the companies the opportunity because, again, you have instant access to your funds based upon the, the governance principles that each firm sets up for the wallet. So uh, it provides a, a great entry point for this next development of proof of staking uh, with our technology. And something else that I was curious about was for decentralized exchange, if I have my coins on a ledger, then the way that that would work is I would need to connect it to my computer whenever I wanted to do a trade. Is that how yeah. users would? Yes, that's, yes, that's correct. And you will be able to, to verify on the ledger device, on the screen, on the secure screen, what trade uh, you, you do. Uh, so that's correct. You can use, basically, when you are using a decentralized exchange, you are taking all the responsibilities of the security. 
Uh, and that's why uh, hardware wallet compatibility is uh, really uh, critical. Uh, and uh, Ledger has been uh, has, has put some support already for some decentralized exchanges, uh, and we want to continue to do so and also do some deep integrations uh, in the Ledger Live, which is the, the the wallet interface used by our devices. So I want to leave the listeners with a piece, with some advice from you, because I know that you guys must be experts on security and protecting your crypto assets. So what advice would you give to listeners on how to make sure that they don't lose their coins? Well, uh, I think one of the biggest advice is to take time and try to understand what you do. Uh, Ledger is bringing a lot of documentation, of blog posts, about best practice, about what you should do, what you should not do. And uh, when you buy something new, you're, like any device or anything, you always want to open and start to use it immediately. You know, you take the documentation, you don't read it, and you you just want to 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 go with it. And in crypto, you have to be very careful. So my my big advice would be: take your time, read the documentation, understand what you are doing, and if you are following the best practice, then there is very little chance that you will do uh, a mistake. Do not panic. Just take your time, read, understand, and move forward. So I think that's the the biggest advice I could give to to anyone. Well, one other question that I have is, you know, when you record your seed phrase, I can think of different places where I might hide it, but but I can't think of a place where I might hide it and then like not forget that I put it there. <laughs> so how do you recommend people figure that part out? You know what I mean? Or like where it wouldn't get lost or where it wouldn't be seen by somebody else? So it's it's a very interesting question, uh, which has a lot of ramification, because maybe the next question is, how do you make sure that if you have an accident or if you die, <laughs> it's transmitted to your next of kin? <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I would say that the, the, the best probably the most secure uh, approach is to rent a safe, a physical safe at your bank and to put it there. It's because one, you're not going to forget that it's there because you have a physical safe. Two, if you are going to, to, to have, uh, let's say an assault, a physical assault at home at gunpoint or anything, it will be much more difficult to go into the bank safe. And three, uh, I mean, if you die or if you are hit by a bus, uh, logically, uh, the access to your bank safe uh, will go to your next of kin. And if you give all the documentation inside to explain what to do with the 24 words, it can also solve how you can transmit your crypto to uh, to your loved ones. Okay. And I suppose you should seal that because otherwise, what if a bank employee goes in there and is like, well, oh, the hey. The bank I'm employee gonna... cannot access the safe. You know, usually you need two keys. Uh, so yeah, you have to take a reputable bank, uh, and make sure that it's not possible to open the safe without you, which normally should be the case. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, this has been an incredibly fascinating discussion. Where can people learn more about you and Ledger? Well, going to ledger.com and, uh, have a look at all our products and uh, offering. Great. Well, thanks to both of you for coming on Unchained. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about Ledger, check out the show notes inside your podcast player. New episodes of Unchained come out every Tuesday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. 
you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And if you're not yet subscribed to my other podcast, Unconfirmed, I highly recommend you check it out and subscribe now. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylene Gallipoli, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, Corin Fife, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.